0: everybody hello and welcome back to the bariatric beauties i believe that we are now in episode six which i can't believe it's been six weeks already can you believe it's been six weeks
1: i know i know let me quickly do the uh, intro all right
0: we're gonna do the intro have you ever wanted to know everything about weight loss surgery well your wish has been granted introducing The Bariatric Beauties, hosted by me, Sherry.
1: And me, Victoria. Tune in now for tons of great content every Wednesday, 7 p.m. London time.
0: And 11 a.m. Pacific Standard
1: Time. You You won't won't want to to miss a a thing. thing. Disclaimer, Victoria
0: and I are not medical professionals. We are just two chicks talking about bariatrics based on our journeys. Welcome back. Um, that, was good, it? that was a really good one. Um, so thank you guys so much for tuning in right now. And just to recap, last week, we talked about body dysmorphia you and Victoria too. and I had kind of given some tips and solutions on what we thought might help. But today, um, in the words of Ed Sullivan, and I know I just dated myself right now, but we have a really big show. <laughs> so um, we have Kelly Taylor, who is a psychologist in New Jersey. And we wanted to invite her on and have her answer some of our questions, answer some of your questions. And like we said, Victoria and I are not professionals, but Kelly is. So we wanted to kind of pick her brain a little bit as far as the surgery and the psychology part of it, um, prepping for the surgery and all that stuff. So we're going to welcome Kelly to the show. Kelly, welcome.
2: Kelly. Hello. Hi,
0: Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi, Hi,
2: Victoria.
0: Hello. Hello. So I just want to tell a quick little backstory on how I met Kelly. Um, it was about two years ago when I wrote my book and zipped shameless plug. Um, I was reaching out to bariatric professionals because I thought maybe it would be a good tool for you know future patients to kind of be able to prepare for it. And so Kelly was this woman that I just happened to come across on LinkedIn and she was a bariatric psychologist. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to hit her up. And she was kind enough. she said, "Why don't you send me a copy of your book? We have a Christmas event coming up, and I can use it as a raffle." And I'm like, "Oh, that's great." And so I sent off the book um, and then I didn't hear anything for a while. no like, which was fine because i was it was cool. And about a couple months later, some woman messaged me out of the blue, and she said, "Hey, I won your book in a raffle, and I just finished reading it, and I absolutely loved it. And we started chatting and I was like, oh my God, I think that was from that woman, Kelly, that I messaged. And then nothing, nothing ever happened. The pandemic happened. um, Life got crazy. And about, I don't know, it was maybe four or five months ago, uh, Kelly found me on LinkedIn again. And she said, hey, I remember that we had met a while back and I'm putting together a support group. Would you like to be a part of it and maybe share a little bit about your journey and it's been like a couple of months. And now I feel like she's becoming like a friend and we're getting to know each other. And I just think between the three of us now, there's a lot of exciting opportunities coming up on how we can really help people on a bigger scale. So
1: like, yeah. like we were talking
0: earlier, everything happens for a reason. So Kelly,
2: first and foremost, thank you so much thank for you. joining us today. Uh, sure. Thanks for having me. And Sherry, all that time is just because I was really terrible at using LinkedIn. And it was lucky <laughs> that we didn't connect it in the first place. Yeah. I finally figured out my sign-in information years later. And uh <laughs> so I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah. But here That's we are. It's she's been, a, it's part been part a good connection. Yeah.
0: Definitely less connection. So thank you
1: to about that group.
0: I was part of oh yeah. Well hello. hello Melissa. Okay, welcome aboard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have so many questions and we're pretty sure we're not going to get to everything today. So depending on how this goes, if you guys want to have Kelly back, we're gonna beg and plead that maybe she'll be willing to come back. But we want to get through as many of your questions and our questions as possible. So um, Kelly hot seat. Ooh, here we go. Victoria, okay. you want to ask a question?
1: Yeah, so let's go for the top one that I wanted to ask. I'm bipolar. And um, so I want to know how that affects um, obviously the pre-evaluation, um, how you would want to go forward with me
2: with bipolar and the surgery. Okay. So of course, in the pre evaluation, I ask about mental health history. Um, so if I know that somebody is diagnosed with bipolar or is having bipolar symptoms, uh, I want to know about the history. How long has someone been uh, dealing with those symptoms? Um, how have they been managing them? Um, mm-hmm. I, I like to, to hear that people have had therapy and that they've had some professional help to work on their symptoms. Um, so I want to see the consistency in that. Do they, do they stick with their treatment? Um, and also uh, medication management. So. Um, you yeah. know, virtually, you know, most of the time, all the time, um, you know, people with bipolar, um, disorder, you know, medications are, are going to be very helpful. So but I like to say happy. that that wouldn't stop any sort of
1: like going forward. It would literally be, it wouldn't stop going forward. It would, you know, you'd just literally evaluate it and then hope that, or speak to like my own psychologist that, that we are, that I am sort of, uh, looking after it.
2: Yeah, because I believe that weight loss surgery can help you like it can help anyone else. And um, I also see, you know, there's really a mind-body connection. So the healthier your body is, the the healthier your mind can be. So um, Mm -hmm. I'd be happy for someone with bipolar disorder to be able to have weight loss surgery. Um, But I just wanna make sure that, you know, especially like I said, if there's a history of being compliant with treatment, um, sticking with it, being med compliant, mm-hmm. so I know that there's going to be some stability afterwards. Yeah. Because, as as we know, uh, surgery can be a roller coaster of emotions before and afterwards, um, which yeah. you already yeah. can experience emotional roller coasters. So we don't want to make that worse for you. So I was
1: um, my yeah, I mean, I would say my roller coaster was. I mean, I was brilliant with the uh, with keeping my bipolar under um, under wraps. So i was good with it the medications were fine i took it all the time basically if the doctor said jump i'd say how high um but afterwards um oh dear because of the stomach and how it changes the medication completely different and for yeah. two to three weeks, I was like, "Woohoo!" And my husband was like, "I think you need to go back and see why these tablets <laughs> are working." <laughs> so that's yeah. what I think. But yeah, immediately went back and said, "Hello, I need help." And they yeah, you know,
2: it's the definitely something that I'll uh, you know kind of strongly recommend is that people follow up closely with their either, whether it's a psychiatrist or their primary care physician who's prescribing that medication, um, because your stomach is smaller, things are going to absorb differently. So, and then your weight's going to be changing. So, um, it's good to follow up. Yeah. With them, um, more closely after surgery than you were maybe Mm -hmm. previously. Yeah. Yeah. So I did all that. That was good.
0: All right. So I have a question all the way through. (laughs) I have a question. So how did you get into psychology and bariatrics? Was it something that you've always wanted to do? Was it something that was like an unexpected surprise? Like what's going on?
2: Yeah, well, it was sort of... um you know not really a, a straight path but um my undergraduate degree was in physical education studies um my original goal was to be a gym teacher i thought that would be a lot of fun oh, <laughs> so um as i went through my career i took a couple sports psychology classes and i thought they were really interesting um <clears throat> so after college i pursued a master's degree in sports psychology so um, my program was actually an exercise in sports science program with a specialization in sports psychology so I enjoyed sports psychology, but I also really liked how, you know, it could have a broader application. You know, these things can be applied to any population, really. Um, so um, I guess I started working, and then I, shortly after that, I decided to go back to school again, um, and this time I went for um, clinical psychology. Um, so, you know, with my background in being interested in wellness, I've got a history of nutrition. Um it was a good. It was a good combination for me. Um, but the way I actually got into it was just um, being in the right place at the right time, where I crossed paths with a, a bariatric surgeon, and we just struck up a conversation. Uh, and they happened to be opening another office. Um, so he said, "You know, if you want to, you know, kind of learn about the practice, learn what what these patients go through, we can give you some referrals for those pre-op evaluations." So it took me a little bit of time to transition into that from where I was working. I was working at a community center. So I took some time to um, listen in on some nutrition classes, meet some of the surgeons, um, talk to some of the patients uh, and get familiar with what this was all about. Because um, honestly, before that, I didn't even know it existed. Um, Not weight loss surgery, but that there was the the psychological aspect of it where these evaluations were required. So, um, so It was just really cool that I fell into it. And then eventually, uh, because we know it's a busy business, uh, it in in time just became a a full time thing. Uh, And now here I am, maybe 12 years later. Took it to us. Yeah, I love it. And
0: and it's so funny. So, Victoria and I were joking because. I, I know it's not your fault, but what? I, and I don't know about everyone who's watching right now, but like when you're going through this process and you have to do the psychological evaluation, this person who does not know you, you feel is going to be the deciding factor as to whether or not you can have this surgery. Um, and you feel like, like there's all of this anxiety. What if I yeah. say the wrong thing? What if I do the yeah. wrong thing? What if I say something that gets me denied? It's almost like being on this blind date, yes. not knowing like how to act, how to how to how to react. Like you're so overly cautious. Um, like from and that's from our point of view. So I'm curious like what the process is like from your point of view when you see these people who are probably like, wah, <laughs>
2: well it's funny because you know i see a wide range of people so there are some people that come in and they do have that anxiety and they're nervous they say oh my gosh i just don't want to fail and they'll come in and they'll say it right off the bat and there are some people where we're doing telehealth and they're just sitting in their bed and they you know they're like all right this is cool um so they're all different people you know that have different approaches when they when they come in but i do let them know that it's not it's not a pass fail thing. You know, we're here to have a conversation. Um, I am doing an evaluation, um, but we're going to talk about what's going to be, uh, I do help try to give some preparation, some advice, but also do the evaluation, get the information I need to in the meantime. And then we come up with uh, a, a good plan going forward. So I try to ease people's minds when they That's come in with that anxiety. Limit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, so, uh, Melissa was saying she met you via tele, telehealth. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's Melissa.
1: And, I, so, and yeah, you um, know
2: Melissa's doing great, so I'm really happy to see her progress and, and that she's kept in touch with us um, periodically. Yeah, since then. Yeah, and she so, says it's. She said it's a very emotional
0: experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, during during the appointment, or like just in, in general. We'll see if she gets back. But Victoria has another question.
1: Well, yeah, so I was just sort of saying, what would you like to see when you're evaluating people
2: for success? Um, Yeah, go on, yeah. Well, one thing I I do like to see is that, I I do like to see that people have made some previous weight loss attempts. Um, Because it just shows me that they're, they're aware that they need to make changes, that they've tried, they are able to put forth some effort um, sometimes people haven't and you know, they've got their other reasons for being there. So it doesn't mean that if you haven't tried anything previously, you're not going to be able to get the surgery. Um, mm. but it's nice to see that people have made an effort. Uh, yeah, and I also, so. yeah, I, I like when people are kind of aware of what types of changes they're going to have to make, and they tell me about the Mm. ways they're going to do it. Um, I know Mm. I I need to overcome this. So these are some of the ways I'm going to try to do it. Uh, Or they've made some changes in their support network. Or I I like when they tell me different things that they've started to do, because we know this is a lifestyle change. Um, And a lifestyle change isn't going to happen the day you have your surgery. So it's nice that I see people having a good idea of what they need to do and starting to do those things. And a lot of times, it's helpful when people have family members or friends who have had the surgery. So they kind of yeah. see what it's yeah, about. Um, yeah. So I, I just like to see that people have an idea of what's going to happen down the road yeah. and have started to yeah. make adjustments to their sense. lifestyle. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense.
0: And then going along with that, um, because like Victoria and I will joke, I had my surgery at, like seven and a half years ago now. And at the time I literally was left with a diet plan on what to follow and then that was it. You had a couple follow-up appointments in the beginning and then it's like once a year. And then like, you're basically yeah. a to like, kind of figure it out. Now I know we've, we've grown leaps and bounds in the community and there's all of these support groups and like stuff like that. But back then I didn't have that, which is why I'm glad to be meeting people today and tell them mm-hmm. like there, there's so many resources out there. So, when they, so I know that your sole purpose is to give them an evaluation But do you kind of give them any tips or like things to to help them after the process to either mentally prepare for the changes that might
2: come or how does that work? I try to, um, especially, I guess, since I've been doing it for a while and I know what happens afterwards, I do try to squeeze that into my evaluations, even though, you know, I'm sort of looking at the information I need to get. So I have to stay on a time schedule to be able to get that information so I can put together a report and get it turned in so they can go forward with the surgery. Um, But I know there's more to it. and that's why I've been revamping what I'm doing a little bit uh, recently because for a while I found myself just doing a lot of these pre-op evaluations And trying to follow up with some people afterwards, giving them the opportunity to follow up. But it wasn't happening regularly. So um, I started uh, some emotional eating groups um, to help people either before or after surgery. And um, we haven't started this yet, but I do want to um, start up a mental preparation, either a group or a class, um, a meeting or two where yeah we can spend some extra time before the surgery talking about those the, uh, emotional and mental change, changes yes. challenges mm-hmm. um that that can happen um because mm-hmm. it's hard to squeeze it all in in one appointment and as right. most people know there are a lot of other um other pre-op appointments that people have to do. So it's a lot. Uh, it can be overwhelming. So to add another thing in that's mandatory is hard to do, but at least they can offer right. it as an optional service. Yeah. yeah Which
0: cool. and I love that because I can't that's tell right. you how many times within the first year I was Googling everything because I thought I was the only one. And I'll never forget there was a time when I started getting lightheaded really easily. And it wasn't like getting up too fast. Sometimes I was just mm-hmm. walking. And I almost yeah. had, there was one instance, I almost had like the seizure-like moment where my body convulsed while my husband was taking a shower and I'm Googling it. I'm talking, I'm talking to WebMD or like I'm Googling my symptoms and I always end up with cancer. I, I always have some rare disease. <laughs> yeah, it. it's true. Um, so I've now been banned from Googling my symptoms. So everyone is okay. I, I now probably a good them. idea probably a good idea, but I was so concerned because I was like, what is happening? And then I found out after the fact that because I had higher blood pressure, that with all the significant weight loss, your blood pressure is stabilizing. And, and it kind of takes a little while for your body to catch up to the changes. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's such a simple explanation, but I Mm -hmm. thought I was going to die. Like I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) So I, I am so excited that even though it's, it's in development right now and it's not out yet, that mm. you're putting something together to say, yeah. hey, here's some things that may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. They're completely normal. This is how you navigate through it. These are some, because they did not tell me what to, I did not, I knew hair loss was a potential issue. I didn't know how bad it was going to be. Um, so there were so many things that when they were happening, I thought I was like this lone wolf um, that no one else experienced experience this until years later when you're talking to people you're like oh that happened to me too yeah. okay apparently that's
1: normal and you're yeah, gonna i mean didn't you say kelly that um the the things that they come into you with is hair loss they're not thinking of any physical attitudes they're sort of thinking like hair loss um the, the skin, the skin.
2: yeah so at that i always ask people do you have any questions or concerns and and those are you know usually the things that, that people ask and not that there isn't a, a mental emotional component to sure. that. Sure. It can be, it can hurt people to, yeah. to lose some hair. It can hurt their self-esteem. It can yeah, hurt sure. their ego. There's a loose skin. How do you deal with that? So it's not that there isn't a mental component to that. Um, but I think there's a lot more that people don't even know to ask beforehand. Um, so I, think, so that's I why. think
1: that's it. They actually don't know what to ask. Yeah. they haven't looked, researched it or that they, they don't know what they're going in for like what we said earlier you know they're scared to do and they they, they don't know what to ask so therefore, yeah. the only thing they can think of is the sort of you know the hair and the body and the the skin yeah. etc um, yeah, that's really is, yeah sorry
2: you no know, just what's been happening over time is that there's so much um you know so many more groups out there the support groups. Facebook mm. groups, Instagram, it used mm-hmm. to be YouTube. Now it's TikTok. So the, the way this social media and technology has evolved over time uh, has given people more opportunity to hear mm-hmm. other people's stories, uh, listen to blogs, uh, ask certain questions. So there's a lot more opportunity to learn this information than there was years ago. Um, so but still, you've that, got to pick through it think- and find the good information
1: so okay, from that do you then think that they are looking um maybe for they're looking through the groups and then they're getting the horror stories so then they're coming into you with that sort of like fear of it all and the horror stories they
2: come in like that as well yeah Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You've got to pick through uh, those things and find the good information and the not so good information. And like you were saying, at at the end, you had this, you know, sort of general diet plan to follow. So there are Mm -hmm. some surgical practices that prepare their patients a lot more thoroughly than others. So a lot of times those horror stories may come from people that said, oh, I didn't know I had to do that. I wasn't given that information. Um, So you got to take it all with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And but I the definitely other hear people get nervous about
2: those horror stories. Other oh,
1: questions yeah. that I get asked all the time. Then, on that note, um do is there any way um that they could fail the evaluation? That gets okay. asked all the
2: time. Yes, and, and I get that question too because a lot of people think it's pass fail and what I tell people is it's really not a pass fail thing. What I'm doing is an evaluation. This evaluation is required by patients insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So I guess they want to, I guess the insurance companies want to make sure there are no red flags that are going to make this person not a a suitable candidate to have this type Mm -hmm. of surgery. So I write a report based on the information I get and then I submit it and then everything is reviewed altogether and then the insurance company or the surgical practice will will make a a decision. But what I do is if I do find some people who have some red flags, red flags to me would be some uh, symptoms like depression, anxiety, maybe bipolar disorder that are not being managed. Um, And that may be contributing to people's eating habits. They have some emotional eating and they don't have any other coping skills. So, those kinds of things, um, I would have a, a conversation with the person about and come mm-hmm. up with a plan for if you're not having any treatment for these symptoms right now, let's find out how you can get some help to work on these things before okay. surgery. Um, mm-hmm. There have been some times where people agreed and said, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is the right time for me because I don't have a handle on these things. So mm-hmm. we say, okay, so why don't you go get some help with this? And then when you feel like you're yeah. ready, give me a call back and we'll, we'll do it again. So yeah, cool. we come up with a plan. It's not like I'm, I'm not going to say to someone, you can't have the surgery. You're going to feel this. Um, see you later. But there um, must
1: be some sort of like um, there must be some sort of obviously structure that you do that is like, uh, you know, do you ask a, a certain amount of structures that is like 80 percent, 30 percent, 20 percent, 10 percent? And that percentage is, you know, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a good candidate.
2: So I just go through, like I said, it's a, it's an evaluation. So I have sort of a, a structured interview. I ask people the same questions. And then based on their answers, we may go a little more in depth in, in one area versus another. But okay. again, it's just making sure that those mental health symptoms are, there's a plan to get yeah. them under control. So it's not, I don't want it to be harder for people after the surgery. Yeah, um, cool. or, I don't want people to be surprised that afterwards they still have depression and anxiety. That's now getting worse because they weren't addressing it. Yeah. Cool. Um, So going along that line. So you've, you've been doing this a long time
0: now. So you've had probably hundreds, if not thousands of people come through your door preparing for bariatric surgery. I'm curious if there's ever any like recurring themes that you see that are constantly kind of brought up, whether it's, it's the potential patients like future worries or concerns. I'm just curious if there's like a recurring theme with people in the community as to what their concerns are going into it.
2: Yeah. I, I, I guess there are a couple of them, but the, the one, the biggest thing I guess, or people that people either come back for is, is the emotional eating. Um, people are, the way I, I say it is people are using food the wrong way. So we talk about um, you know, what, what's underneath these eating habits. And after the surgery, you're looking at food as fuel. That's the main, main purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that you can't enjoy food or, you know, have food in a social situation, but a lot of people are just stuck on that emotional eating and eventually they might gravitate back towards old habits. So I guess it's just, Um, you know, how do I navigate that? That was
1: another question about the emotional eating, Like, how do they control their emotional eating or what would you suggest for their emotional eating? How would you prepare them or suggest, you know, help for them? Yeah. So the the one is to
2: participate in an emotional eating group or to work individually with a therapist or a couple things. If we just have to kind of cover it in a quick conversation, I'll let people know that it's important to start thinking about their patterns when mm-hmm. do they typically do that emotional eating? Is it mm-hmm. happening Is it happening every night? Because that's when people are bored or is it happening because people are frustrated or have a lot of stress in their lives and they, they come home from work or come home from from mm-hmm. school and, and, and that's what they do to mm-hmm. release some of that stress. Mm-hmm. So we talk about, okay, so start identifying those patterns uh, right. and think about replacing that with something else. So mm-hmm. um, either adding some sense. healthier yeah. habits, um, using distraction because some people just get hung up on food food is the answer and then get hung up on that so uh it's good to come up with some distractions for that um Mm -hmm. to avoid the environment because we know we've got certain you know come home first thing you do is go in the kitchen is maybe adjust your routines that you're not continuing in that same routine same pattern every day so it's changing the your daily routine and, and then see what happens. So sometimes I'll ask people, why don't you start making some of these changes? And then we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. And if you were able to make some progress, that's great. If not, if you're still stuck in this emotional eating, then there's a little more work, a little deeper work that has to be done. Mm-hmm.
1: You and you you do
2: you know have a group for that?
1: Do you have a group for that? You do, don't yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, what's the group called? So we know where to put them. I just call it an emotional eating group.
2: And what we've been okay. doing is a, a four week group where we do one hour. It's virtual uh, one hour uh, a week for four weeks. And we have a structure. We yeah. talk about the development of eating habits. We talk about food addiction. Uh, we talk about different thought patterns that um, keep people stuck in those those emotional eating habits yeah. uh, and how to replace it. What are, what are some uh, better alternatives? And that's okay,
1: what we so for. Uh, later on we could give the link then. Sure, yeah. We'll put the link in for them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Sherry, what were you going to ask, sorry darling, before I, I rudely interrupted?
0: I don't know. I was just like so listening intently, but I do, ha- I do have a question because um, Victoria and I have talked about it briefly. We haven't done a full show on it and I think we would like to, um, hopefully in the near future, is I didn't know how common... Transfer addiction is oh uh, yeah post bariatric surgery. Um yeah, we both wanted
1: to know about this one.
0: Yeah, so I guess and, and and that's a topic a complete beast in itself, but I'm just I was just curious from your point of view, how common
2: do you see
1: I it? had it? That's why we are asking, isn't it? Because yeah. I had transfer
2: addiction as yeah. well, Yeah, to be very honest with you, is I, I don't see it often. Um Okay. I do get a handful of people who come in with the history because I do ask about history of addiction. So people who are most vulnerable to transfer addictions are people who have um, either a history, it could be a history of addiction to alcohol, to other drugs. It could be gambling. It could be shopping. It could be any type of addiction. Mm. Um, so I find out about that history. Or even if there's a family history of addiction, people can be more vulnerable to it. Mm. Um or you know again just people with other um maybe more severe symptoms again that haven't been managed or are out of control and that lack of coping people are grasping at anything that will help them cope mm-hmm. so they could resort to something that is harmful yes so yes. um so yeah so, uh, so again i look at the history um and look at what types of treatment they've had um you know how how comfortable and confident they are in their recovery if they are in recovery and then again what's what's the relapse plan so yeah. is it you know what happens so I'm now so that you're lucky. not able to emotionally eat anymore mm-hmm. we want to make sure that they're not turning towards other harmful substances yeah, that they may have done before or even choose something different yeah
1: yeah i mean i was not lucky i was strong-willed and i went to rehab because i knew it had got to a stage where i needed rehab um, and that actually taught me not only about the alcohol, but about food as well, how to mm-hmm. control the food. And like, if I want something, then think about it. We were talking about this, weren't we, Sherry, the other day? Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. And Sherry was telling me, think about it, think about it. <laughs> what would you prefer okay. the being to lose that pound or to have that packet of crisps? Um, so yeah, so we were talking about that and um, so my alcohol, uh, rehab actually taught me quite a lot about food as well, but I was very strong-willed to get there.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really similar because I have worked with, um, people with addiction here and there throughout my career and it's really just the more and more I do this, the more and more mm-hmm. similar it seems. Um, yeah. it's something that's giving you some type of a benefit is simulating your brain in a certain way and then it's backfiring. Um but you keep coming back and doing it again. It's really a similar
0: and I and I think it's so hard too because you know when you're when you struggle with obesity or or any kind of an addiction, whether it's a food addiction or drugs, you're using this tangible thing to replace some kind of a human or emotional response or something like that. So so when when you like when you are using food as a coping mechanism to deal with stress or sadness or celebrations or whatever, and then you have the surgery and then you can't use that anymore. That's why I think it's common that people will transfer to something else, a soda, a cigarette, alcohol, yeah. drugs, yeah. And whatnot. And I and I try to tell people the best advice I can give is there is a reason that you are using these coping mechanisms through these vices that you had. But mm. until you can have the surgery 400 times over, mm. but unless you get to the root of what's causing those emotional responses, whether it was something when you were younger or the way that you deal mm. with stress, you're going to have the same problem continue on for the rest of your life in different forms of different variations. Mm. And that was, that was a big thing for me is Victoria and I had talked about it in one of the earlier shows when we were kind of telling a little bit about our backstories is for me personally. I was a people pleaser. I thought that yeah, I needed to. Be both over- were, we both were,
1: we? were both saying we both were people. We were the pleases. same way,
0: and that we had yeah. to give so much of ourselves in mm. order to get love and affection and stuff like that. And mm. it, and over time, it starts harming you, and it harms your own psyche. But and I knew that. And then when people didn't give you the same energy that you expelled out, it would make you feel bad. You might start eating and like all of these things. So for me, it was like. When I started losing the weight from the surgery, my biggest fear was having the old habits creep in and history was going to keep repeating itself. So I had to go back and I had to kind of pinpoint certain moments or whether it was cutting out toxic people in your life or, or finding ways to redirect how you handle stress and stuff like that. But I just think it's so common that it's so important If you haven't found a reason on how to handle your addictions, your emotional, you need that. You need that one thing you do. You need to talk to a professional or somebody who's more, who who knows more of the psychology behind Mm -hmm. why we do it, pull back the onion layers a little bit and kind of delve into it and figure it out so that you can truly heal because Mm -hmm. you can, you can lose two, three, 400 pounds but unless you're going to learn how to make those changes from within
1: you. Mine was self-assurance. Every time we went back and there was a picture or there was something, it was self-assurance. So I knew that if I lost my weight again and I'd go back to how I was before, which was slim, then I knew that it's a self-assurance thing. And it's true because as I've lost weight and more loss and more loss and more loss, my self-assurance has got better and better and better and the confidence has got better and better and better. And I just continually keep taking photos of myself and just going, look, look, this is how different I look from then. I feel good. I feel better. You know, so mine was self-assurance all the way because I didn't have
2: that as a child. So it's come with me. And I'm sure that you've, you've gotten, you've strengthened that with some of the changes that you've made in your life, not simply the surgery things that you've nice, done everything. to make it all work.
1: Yeah, I had to do everything. I had to change everything mentally as well with it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I love I love when people give a shout out to their surgeons and I know a lot of the surgeons and they're great and people are thankful to their surgeons, but I also wanna say, but you're doing all the work. You're doing all the yeah. work to make these changes. Um, so, you know, as, as much as people are making as things, people may struggle with things, as much as people are making these good changes, I want them to also give themselves credit. Right. for doing all of it, yeah. yeah. No, and you know what's so funny is
0: you're totally right. How often they we like, oh my God, my surgeon saved my yeah, life. And I don't know what happened, like if it's an energy thing, but as you were saying that, I just got this image of like the relay race in the Olympics. And I feel like your surgeon really? is oh. holding, like, holding the torch or whatever, and he, and he, <laughs> he just passes it to you, but it's your responsibility <laughs> to take it the rest of the way because yeah. you're not gonna win the race just with what he did you got to carry your weight to, i guess literally and figuratively oh my <laughs> yeah. God,
1: your mind is just wonderful yeah. yeah yeah i love that i know that's really cool that just
2: like I like that came out of your and, head I, I think of it all the time when i see that and again like i said it's great surgeons are great but if, if you don't make if you're still doing things the way you were before the surgery the changes aren't going right. to you're not there you're not going to maintain those changes No way. Yeah. yeah Yeah, Yeah, interesting. I I had never
0: thought of surgery as an option for a long time. And people who know my story, I in the beginning, 10, 15 years ago, I thought it was cheating. I said, you you know, all these things. And I knew somebody who had had the surgery. And and I was, I I, I met her around the time that she had had it, and like for the first year, she threw up almost every day. And I'm like, and I'm like watching back, going, who would have a surgery? And they're throwing up every single day. I do not like throwing up. This is probably why I'm not much of a drinker because I go from zero to passed out or, you know, throwing up. I I just, I hate that feeling so much who would go through this trouble to do that. And so years later, when I had the surgery and I was looking at the diet and like, and I was following everything to a T, I looked back to that person and that person was eating like fried calamari like a month out they were drinking alcohol they they were doing all of these things and i was like that's why she was always sick and like and she lost a lot of weight which good for yeah. you that's amazing but those are the kind of the the small cases that they never they never looked at it as the long haul maybe it was a vanity thing i don't know what the reasoning was but they never changed anything they just mm-hmm. Consumed less of these vices and stuff like
1: that. And I've seen a lot of TikTok videos, and they've just come out of surgery and they've just gone to Subway. And I said, Oh, this is what you can get out of Subway. Sorry, I've just um, advertised Subway. But <laughs> um, um, so they're going, This is what you can get out of Subway. This I never thought about that when I came out of surgery. I was yeah. like, Where's the lettuce? Yeah. yeah. The lettuce. <laughs> and the vegetables and the protein. I never thought of like, do you know what I mean? So Well, they say that's the, that, definition, like, the, the definition The definition of crazy things. is
2: continuing to do the same mm-hmm. thing and expecting a different yeah. outcome. Yeah, You can't. If you want to change, you've got to make a change. Yeah. So those things weren't working before. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. just crazy. Um, So one of the things that we get, we talk about a lot in whether it's in different support groups um, is people can't differentiate between being hungry Or thinking they're hungry, or thinking they're craving something. I know head hunger is a really big thing, and like, and I said I'm not a doctor. My I've learned that sometimes, and and maybe I'm wrong, but but oftentimes when we feel hungry, we're actually a little dehydrated. So sometimes I say just drink some more water, and the kind of craving goes away. But from your point of view, is there any tips or advice that you can give to somebody who? is struggling constantly with head hunger. And I've head seen hunger. in some support groups, even recently, they're like, I thought this was going to go away. I thought I was going to yeah. have the surgery and I wasn't going to crave anything and I wasn't yeah. going to feel hungry and I'm hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that. That I don't know how to, I want to be able to help them, but I don't know the answer
2: for yes. that. Yeah. And I, I would say it's one of the most difficult things. I think it's one of the most challenging things people have to deal with. And it is one of those things that I hear more again with the along, sort of along with the emotional eating, is, is that head hunger. Um, so they do remove the hunger hormone that ghrelin yes. that's in there. So, there, everybody's got a different level of, of that real appetite reduction. But when it's in your head, um, it's, it's something that usually you're craving a specific food, um, it comes on pretty quickly. Yes. You've done the other things like you've had some water, you've waited a little bit of time, and you still, you still feel that, or experience that in your in your head and think about it it's pretty normal because again for a long time in people's lives that's what they did was they they had food thought about food prepared food consumed food so now it's not there so how do you fill your time so I think part of it is again that distraction so when you notice you're really getting stuck in that head hunger um, is to have something else to do I encourage people to pick up a hobby um, maybe there's something that you've always wanted to do and now you've got use this time to do that. Uh, mm. or cause I know somebody, to me, I just, uh, I just want to stop.
1: Um, very good friend of ours on the group. And she said, I just want to stop thinking about food for 24 hours. What do yeah. I do? How do I do that? Yeah. You're, it is distraction.
2: The part of this distraction. And then you know, another thing is sort of that we talked about that just sitting with it. So sometimes if you have um, that head hunger, I encourage people, just go sit down somewhere, nice and quiet and peaceful and say, okay, I'm feeling hungry or I'm thinking hungry. Um, And what happens is it's an uncomfortable thought to have. And as humans, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to feel hungry. We don't want to be thinking about food. So the easy thing to do is grab some food and then it will go away. But we know that's not the right thing to do. So I'll encourage people, just sit down and say, okay, I'm feeling hungry. This is what I'm thinking about, but it doesn't mean I need to grab the food Mm. and see how long you can sit there with it. And chances Mm. are eventually it will pass. Maybe Mm. not this time. Maybe not. It might be difficult. It's going to be difficult for a little while. I can't Mm. say there's any magic solution where, okay, do this and then it's going to be easy. It's going to take some work, but the more people make a better choice And don't choose food um either sit with it and say okay i'm hungry but i don't have to eat or i'm thinking about food but instead i'm gonna Mm -hmm. go for a walk or instead i'm gonna go read that book or instead i'm gonna call a friend everybody's gonna find something that's gonna work for them the more you make the healthy choice you're gonna reinforce that behavior the more you choose the food the more you're going to reinforce that behavior, yes. and we know that when you make the right choice, you can feel really good about it, and that can give that. you that that reward in itself. being successful. I did it. I didn't let it control me. Yeah. That's what
1: yeah. And I was saying it's that empowerment and that strength, and
2: they. Yeah. You know, I've done that. Yeah. Yes. And part of this is not letting food control you anymore because when it's constantly invading your brain, it's almost like it's controlling you and forcing exactly. you to make certain behaviors. But if you can have more, <laughs> more control over your own, your own brain and then your own behaviors, mm-hmm. you'll feel better about it. Exactly. It just takes exactly. some time.
0: And I think that's so true too. And I think, you know, people could be Perfect. watching this be like, yeah, easier said than done. Or yeah, on paper, that sounds great, but yeah. just like not nice. anything else. The first couple of times you do it, it it's going to be uncomfortable.
1: It's yeah. going to
0: be a challenge. It's going to be tough. Yeah. But
1: like everybody, I think you just got to problem. try it. I think you just got to try it, haven't you? you just,
0: just got to try it once or twice and see how you feel. Mm. Right, I now. To
1: do it. Hmm. Yeah. Like
0: yeah,
1: sometimes- I had to just sit with it, like you said, Kelly. I just had to sit with like the alcohol side of it, and then I had to do that with food. Just sit yeah, with it, yeah. resonate it, and just sort of, you know, through mm-hmm. and then just move on. Right. Okay. I've done that now. Right. Okay. And that's where you want to have a
2: plan to move on. I think it's good for everybody to have a plan to move on. So that's why Mm. I said, know what it is you like to do and have a plan to do that. Or whether it's that certain Mm. person that you call. Um, Because the more we have things that are, when we're under um, feelings of stress, we tend to go to what's familiar and in the past been food. So you've got to make something else familiar to you. So that's your default. That's your go-to. Yeah.
1: Like you say, like a phone call to a friend you just you just uh, hit on. Yeah. But you've got to
2: have that plan. Even if you, and here's another thing that might sound silly, but even if you make a little list, like a little emergency card of, if I'm in this situation, these are the things I'm going to do. So it sort of takes the thinking out (laughs) of it. It's just, okay, I'm going to go to my list. And then you go on autopilot. I'm going to do these things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Again, it's just swayed your mind though, hasn't it? I'm going to go to my list. Yeah. It's even that small thing, isn't it? Yeah, Mm.
0: and just like Victoria said, when it's it's obviously difficult in the beginning to, to slowly make those small changes and change your mindset and move forward. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. something shifts inside of you when you kind of crossed over that bridge a little bit. And Victoria and I have been talking about this a lot because I'm doing this crazy 75-day hard challenge. And we I was at the Super Bowl party a few weeks ago and there were certain foods there and I couldn't eat them. And the one thing that I've told people especially with the head hunger and things like that i've been very fortunate because i wasn't once post-surgery who sat and thought about food like i wasn't thinking oh my god i really wish i had pie right now but i'm a very visual person so if i go mm-hmm. somewhere and i see it now all of a sudden that's all i'm thinking about like you see that pie from across the room i, I want to have that pie today like oh, that I is like, i am like literally obsessing over but i'm not sitting at home thinking about the pie what if for me it's out of sight out of mind so being at the Super Bowl and you're seeing the nachos and the cheese and the dips, yeah. little weenies and like all of these things. And I have to stick to this, like, you know, strict regimen and stuff like that. And when you see it, there's the part of you like, oh, I really want to have that right now. Go cupcakes but-
1: cookies. Or cookies. A- oh, girl, they had girl,
0: cookies. And there was little cupcakes. like
1: cookies. There?
2: That day. Oh my God.
0: Um, but isn't oh, it yeah.
2: funny? Those types of foods that stimulate that center in your brain. Yeah, it's crazy. So my it's husband, not like, wow, look at that grilled chicken. It looks awesome. Um, <laughs> no, I it's those addictive foods. They're Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> Just not gonna... to your eyes. <laughs> I'm
0: not salivating over a grilled chicken breast. Like, not happening. Like, I will salivate <laughs> over a cheesecake, like a hundred percent.
2: But yeah. and when and you it's... see them, you become more impulsive and are more likely yeah. to make a, a and, decision. And that, the struggles a little bit more. And
0: so my husband knows I'm doing this challenge. He's not doing it with me, but he's very supportive. And it's Girl Scout cookie season. And I opened up the pantry and hiding in the corner were these peanut butter Girl Scout cookies. And I told him, I said, I I opened up. Oh, Eric's on right now. Grilled chicken rules. He eats grilled chicken (laughs) every single day. Uh, Um, The only thing that I wasn't upset by the Girl Scout cookies, it was the one that I didn't like. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then I found out Mr. Husband has been hiding cookies in the freezer in special <laughs> Ziploc bags, hiding them. And he happened to turn around one day, not realizing I was there. And he turns around with his mouth. <laughs>
1: like, a,
0: like a deer in kids.
1: Hey, um, those, those girls hustled me. Yeah, he said those little girls hustled me.
0: But the whole, the whole point of this story is there was something so empowering about mm. I can literally eat this cookie right now. Yeah. I can do it. It's it's not going to kill me to have one mm-hmm. or two cookies, but it was making the conscious decision is I found this activity to focus my energy on and focus my attention. I'm doing this challenge. I'm doing my workout and all these things that I'm consciously choosing that I am stronger than this cookie. I can have it one day, maybe when the challenge is over, I told mm. Eric to hide yeah. some box. In the house when this challenge is over, I might want one or two. But in the beginning, yes, it is terrifying. It is hard to break those habits. But like I said, when you kind of cross over that threshold into the other side, and you're so it's so empowering. And like mm-hmm. it's so weird really
1: empower a
0: Girl so... Scout or a treat or yeah. something like that. But it just shows how powerful your mind really is. I'm and- more
1: powerful than the Girl
0: Scouts. Mm-hmm. I'm
1: more proud I'm even, you. Yes, the
0: girls get
2: cookies. Can't tear me down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those, well, those little things are those big. You know the the victories. Yeah, cool, the successes. So, yeah. Is, is, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it's a big accomplishment, and to be able to have mm-hmm. that choice. And I people, whenever you make a choice, just at least know what the the consequence is going to be. So yeah. it's sort of like okay you know, maybe I am going to choose to have a cookie today. And this is how I might feel afterwards. And this is what's, what's going to happen. Okay. You know what? I'm going to choose to have it and I'll deal with it afterwards. Um, or you choose not to, but whatever choice you make, you just have to be accountable for whatever the outcome is going to be. Yes. But it's good. It's good when, you know, it's a conscious choice. Yeah, exactly. I
0: agree, and and I've been I've been trying to encourage people like we're not perfect. You're gonna have moments where you're gonna cheat and you're gonna be you're gonna feel weak and you're gonna eat, yeah. you know, those things and stuff. It, it move on. Yeah, move on. Own that decision. I made the decision to eat that Girl Scout cookie or to have that piece of pizza, Um, Girl but that, that, I, I'm obsessed with the Girl Scout cookies oh, right no. now. No, I can't no. stop thinking about it. Um. But like I said, we're human. So if you, if you falter in it, this doesn't mean that you have failed in life and yeah. have to go down the slippery yeah. slope into oblivion. No, it was a momentary decision. Did you enjoy it? Good. Enjoy the moment. But no, this is not an everyday thing. You enjoyed it for what it was. as a momentary treat to yourself. Yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. get back on track to where you were. And if you want to make your goals, Down the road, I'm going to do these certain things. I'm going to eat certain foods for all these weeks. But then on one day, I want to have a couple bites of it. I mean, treat yourself. Mm. It's okay once you get to the
2: point where you can know
0: how to control it.
2: Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? To control it. Yeah. Yeah. And I ask people to really, uh, recognize their own limitations there are some people that are more easily can do that say I'm going to have one one cookie or I'm going to have one bite of this and push the rest away I'm going to feel satisfied and then there are people that know I'm not there yet or I know I'm that type of a person where once I indulge in a little bit I'm going to want more of it and I don't want to go down that slippery slope
1: yeah so therefore I just don't have it yeah. Well, have you have to know yourself. I just don't have I just don't do it. I don't know. I just don't do it. Always have done because I yeah. know there's certain things that I I would want more of. So I just yeah. start the routine again. So I just don't do it ever. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can so I, I, I... talk the... oh, You I have a question, question? I don't. No, no, so go ahead. I wanted ahead. to throw in a little, a little thing about um, our brain chemical, our feel-good chemicals. Yes. So this kind of relates to emotional eating and addiction. So we have these chemicals in our bodies, in our brains. We have dopamine. We have oxytocin, serotonin, and our endorphins. So sometimes in people, they can just naturally be a little bit low, or maybe they're not doing enough things to boost them. Or there's some people whose bodies just aren't using them efficiently enough, so they're not getting the benefit from them. So some of these things can be enhanced sort of falsely by food. Mm -hmm. Um, Food might give you a boost of this, a boost of that, but then again, there's that crash. So um, I always refer to, I have this list of what's gonna, um, healthy things that are gonna help uh, enhance each of those chemicals. So, yes. just real quick, and this is something I, this is something I posted the other day. So, this is something where if anybody looks at my Instagram, I post things like this. So, if you want to increase your dopamine, which is that's the reward chemical, um, things like celebrating small successes, doing self care, doing exercise, listening to music. Um, if you want to increase your oxytocin, that's things like. Uh, enjoying a good relationship, hugging somebody, um, being with your pets, um, right. the touch—that's going to increase that um, serotonin, which is the mood stabilizer. Things like um, meditating, yoga, breathing, getting out in the sunshine, uh, and then the endorphins, which are the painkillers—that's laughing, dancing, exercise, um, things like that. So, so we know that these things are actually going to boost those feel good chemicals in your body. So that's a way to do it instead of trying with food.
1: Food. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I'll tell you what I've had all this week, like little achievements. Like on Monday, I went swimming. The, the previous Monday when I went swimming, I could only do um, a couple of bits and pieces. Uh, sorry, only a couple of like swimming and sort of, you mm-hmm. know, little sort of like, like that. Um, but this, this time when I went, I thought, right, just do the length. So I did a length. I came back. And I thought, you know what? I could probably do that again. I'm going to try because last week I nearly drowned. But I didn't. I went and did it and came back. So I then did two lengths. I then was swimming around. So anyway, it goes on. I did all these lengths, and it was absolutely fantastic. So that was one bonus on Monday. Got an interview. Passed the first, second interview. So I've now got a third one next week. So that's all really exciting. But the biggest thing, I've spoken to my doctor and he said, I can drive again. Now I can do all my exercises. I can go to this new dance class that is gonna happen. Um, I'm going to do the swimming in the morning between seven and nine. So I'll go like uh, for an hour in the morning. There's all these things now that it's opened up everything that I can yeah. do now. So it's really And I exciting. think most people would
2: say when you have those good things happening, which those things, you're creating those things, food yes. becomes less important. That stuff is taking yeah, up it's, it's stirring up those good chemicals. It's taking up your time. It's taking up yeah. the thoughts in your head. So there's less room for food. Food. It's true.
1: So I've not had too much problem this week with food. I've yeah. not in fact I've not had any problem with this week with food. Right. Because I've just been so busy with it all. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been good. Yeah. It's exciting.
2: Yeah. So so, so take it. So no enjoy enjoy those doing. things.
1: Yeah. Can't wait. I went driving today actually. Did you really? I was like, driving. And I signed up to the gym. That's great. Yeah. So Victoria and I can video from the gym one day. Yeah, that'd be so funny. There's an episode. No, my son said absolutely no way. If I do TikTok or if I do anything in the gym, then that's it. He disowns me. It's not (laughs) the dumb thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if I was if I was to
0: bust out the camera and try to do a TikTok while I was at the gym, Eric would probably walk away and be like, "I don't know this lady." <laughs> yes. exactly.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So I have one last question. Like, I don't think we're gonna be able to get to all of it today because we're almost running out of time, which I'm so bummed. Um, but the big topic that we talked Thanks, about right. last week was having to do with body dysmorphia, both pre-op and post-op there that we were, we discussed last week, how we have this body dysmorphia when we're at our biggest, we have it like when we have it at our our smallest and whatnot. And Victoria and I were trying to just come up with some suggestions and solutions that we thought might want to, you know, help to kind of break the cycle and stuff. But is there anything, any tips or tricks or ideas that you can maybe help somebody or give somebody who's dealing with dysmorphia because they're losing the weight so quickly and either they can't see it or feel it or.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what you see when you look in the mirror, isn't just what you see with your eyes. What you see in the mirror is made up of messages. You've gotten things. People have said throughout your, your lifetime, things you've thought about yourself throughout your lifetime you see through that lens. So you're gonna see yourself, you know, a little distorted, you know, I think to begin with, because it's not just what you see with your eyes. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: going forward, when you're losing weight, again, you can see with your eyes, but you have to see with other things too. So it's looking at what are, what were the goals? Why did you want to have the surgery? Are you being more active? Are you feeling more energy and kind of see those things in yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is helpful and then also we, we talked about just taking a compliment can even be helpful because a lot of people are not used to taking compliments um so if someone says wow well, you're looking good just say okay you know thank you and maybe thank believe you. that it's, it's really I, true i
1: didn't i always used to go oh yeah but i've still got six stones loose Instead of just wow. going, thank you yeah yeah, yeah we, were
0: t- we were talking about that last week how you, you don't know how to handle compliments now. So you do like the self-sabotage, like, Sherry, you look great. Yeah. But look at these arms. Like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're like finding flaws because you're just uncomfortable to say, thank you. That was yeah. nice to say. Yeah, I am
1: now though. I'm now going, cause after that, uh, the, the show last week, I was like, no, I'm going to say thank you to everything now. So I've been doing that all this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Does it feel good when you do it? Yeah, it does actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz it it really is consciously now going oh well, thank you and uh, you know genuinely as well yeah. rather than sort of it's just like you're shy of taking a compliment that's all yeah,
2: yeah. and then i think pictures can be a tricky thing because there're some people that may not look like looking at pictures but then there're some people that need to see it because they do not see it. you see yourself every single day so sometimes mm. people do like to look at their pictures yeah. from before you know whether yeah. you've taken them or even if it's just yeah. on your license because you're not in any pictures and then you look at the difference now, being able yeah. to see that big difference. Yes, yeah, I helpful.
1: have to do that. I have to do that. And I have to take lots of pictures of myself now because I said to show you I'm having a bit of dysmorphia now because I have got that weight to lose. So I'm saying, oh, I feel, uh, aren't I? I'm like, uh-huh. sorry, that's probably, seen- <laughs> <laughs> is that <laughs> um, So I am a bit, aren't I? A bit moany. And, um, so now I'm taking so many pictures of myself now because I'm just like, try and make yourself feel good. You didn't look yeah. like that, you know, two years ago, mm-hmm. this is what you look like. So I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Good. Yes, mm. Yeah. It's working. S- Slowly, but
0: really. Um, yeah. so we have a few minutes left and Kelly, is there anything that you want to add or throw out
1: there or telephone number?
2: Yeah, well, p- sometimes people will ask me another question. I get is um, yes, what's the key? What's the key to success? What is the
1: key <laughs> so, to
0: success, Kelly? Are I mean, you going to tell
2: us this simple now? answer, right? No, well, I'll tell people is know when to use your resources. So. Um, you know we know that losing weight is really exciting and then people when they get to the maintenance can get it can get a little boring a little you know how do you stay motivated and then people can slowly regain weight so it's keeping an eye on your patterns um making sure that you're continuing to go in the right direction not sliding back to old habits and when you do know what to do so is it as simple as just saying okay I need to talk to myself. I need to refocus and, and do it on your own. But if you can't do it on your own, know what to do. <clears throat> yeah. Utilize your support network. Uh, utilize the therapist. Utilize the dietitian. Utilize the support group. Go back to mm-hmm. your surgeon. Whatever it is, yeah. know what your resources are and know when to re- go to those resources when you need it. That is such, yeah, right. such
0: amazing advice, yeah. and I yeah. wish I had all those resources back then. But definitely, whenever definitely you're yeah, struggling, reach out to
2: somebody. Yeah, and, and don't be that, embarrassed about it. There are plenty of people that said, that will say, no, "I didn't want to come back because I gained this weight," but that's exactly why we want you to come back. That's why we want to see you. We want to see yeah. people who are doing great, but we also want to see the people yeah. who are struggling yeah. so we can help. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm, so Kelly, for anybody who's interested, who might want to reach out to you to be part of your support groups or, or the other groups that you're working on in the future, how mm-hmm. does
2: somebody get a hold of Miss Kelly Taylor? Uh, the best way is to call or send a text. A lot of times I'm on my own telehealth calls, so I'm not answering all the time. And I'm only one person. I don't oh. have an office staff. So <laughs> leave a voicemail. I do return voicemails. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also take text messages. Um, that's an easy thing. Um, Email's not great because things can get lost in the shuffle with all the junk yeah. mail. Um, so phone, text is the best. Um, okay. And then I've got that flyer uh, that I had sent that we could post somewhere that has just a little more information on the services and, yeah. a, and a phone number right. there. Well, yeah. yeah
0: and the flyer has your contact information on it, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. And so- if somebody calls me with something that... It's not really something I can help with. I always do my best to find a referral or send someone in the right direction. That's what I do. Yeah, if I don't know it, you know,
1: and I haven't yeah. experienced anything like it, then i send send, uh, you know, try and get the um, proper advice and yeah. yeah, yeah, send them. So that's yeah. good. Well, great. So we just need the number. Yeah. What are um, we going to do? How are we going to do this? Are we going to do it now? Or are we well, going to put we- it in the comments?
0: Is after the show, we will put on our bariatric page on Facebook. We will put the flyer um, that okay. Kelly. Oh, good idea.
1: Go? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We yeah. yeah. can sense. reach
0: out to her directly um, at, for the support groups because yeah. Kelly, you're in, Jersey, you're in New Jersey, mm-hmm. so you don't you don't tell you can't tell treat people um, unless they're in New Jersey,
2: correct? So it depends. Um, so. For the emotional eating groups um we either use insurance or a a low fee self-pay so insurance would have to be in state if it's a self-pay it doesn't matter the support groups that i do i started those the the pop-up support groups they're going to be sort of random support groups but they're going to be more focused on um, emotional aspects those are for free um i I guess that's okay
0: and we'll put that information on there. Um, and is there
2: anything else that you wanted to add before we go today? No, I'm just, I'm so great that we've made this connection. And it's just really cool because there are people from all over the place. Sometimes, like we, like you know, sometimes you feel alone and there's just such a network out there. And I'm glad that that we've connected and been able to share That's stories good. and talk. And I feel like there's something we could just talk forever about this stuff. Um, know, and that so good, I've that? got people, you guys have people. Yeah. Uh, and, and we can all come together and, and talk about this stuff. So yeah, I'm great. really, thank you for having me. And I'm glad that,
1: um, so thank you very much.
2: No, sure. we're, and we're so honored.
0: Um, I feel like you're giving us a little so thread right now by having like an actual professional on our show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, seriously, I, we talked about this earlier. I do believe that everything happens for a reason that the journey that you had, the journey that I've had, the journey that Victoria mm-hmm. from across the pond, across different States. I love the idea of being able to come together with like-minded people and just try to work together to kind of spread yeah. power, powerful hope and positivity and overcoming what you're going through right now. And you're not alone in what you're dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're here to help in any
2: way and that's why we're here and there's so many different ways to to get help which is great Mm -hmm. so there are some people that might want to talk to a therapist there are some people that might want to take medications there are some people who just want to go to a support group and and, yeah talk to people who are like them so there's something different for everybody
1: there is yeah yeah no it's and i
0: love it well kelly
1: like thank you so
0: you so so much you're welcome we really appreciate it, and we're hoping
1: we, we,
2: we did. And we're hoping
0: we didn't scare you away, and that maybe you would consider coming back in the future.
2: Of course. Well, we're, we're we'll always be in touch. So absolutely. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not getting rid of me that quickly. That's not how this Laptop. works.
0: Laptop. once I'm in, I'm in. Like that. either. No 20- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well. I'm glad that you guys started this podcast. It, it, it's really cool. And I hope that you get more and more followers watching it. Aww, it's really great. Thank
1: you. I really appreciate that. And like that. I said,
2: you're you're a great team. I love it.
1: Thank, thank you, you so
2: much. And to all of you guys who are
0: watching right now, if there's any questions that you want to ask Kelly directly or that you would, send us messages, if there's topics that you would love to have maybe Kelly come back for in a future episode and talk about things more specifically, send us a message. You can comment on YouTube You can find us on Facebook, on our group. We'll have a website down the road eventually, Um, but but we're here. So reach out to us and we want to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions. And
1: we'll
0: we'll get to every single one of them. And yeah, just thank you guys so much. And we will see you next week.
1: See you next week. Bye. See you you next week. week.